Thank you, guys. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this beautiful autumn morning. Great time here. Uh, we're continuing our Unstuck series. This is part eight. We're closing in on the end of it next week. Been looking at the acts of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. And the goal is for us to identify the areas of the flesh where we get stuck and then to release God's power in our life to get unstuck. That's why we've been calling it Unstuck. And each week in the service, in our small groups, we've been reading through the key passage, Galatians chapter 5, been reading through this together. I love reading this out loud with you guys every week. This has been uh, one of my favorite things to do, and so here we go. We're going to do it again. Uh, Join me. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And Paul just lays out the tension, uh, the conflict between our flesh, the physical part of us that we're born with when we're born physically, and the spiritual part of us that comes into our life when we're reborn by placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in our life, and, and our flesh wants to live in a way that pleases the self, and God's Spirit wants us to live in a way that pleases God. So there's this tension, this struggle that we face. Uh, he goes on to tell us, describe the acts of the flesh. Let's read this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we've got the acts of the flesh that um, that, that just play out in our life if we just live according to the flesh. But... We don't have to be stuck in that manner of life. We don't have to live life like that. We don't have to lose uh, the inheritance that God has for us. We can live differently. And that's the next section. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. God offers us an alternative to the acts of the flesh. He offers us the fruit of the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we don't have to fulfill the desires of the flesh. We can bear the fruit of the Spirit. Today we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit called gentleness. Gentleness. You know, as you look through the list of the acts of the flesh... It's, uh, it's obvious that the sins of the flesh are many and varied. I mean, it covers a wide range of behavior in that list. But it's also interesting how some of the acts of the flesh fall into the same category. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, dissensions, factions, and envy. I mean, Paul lists eight distinct terms that really could, could be lumped under one. I mean, if you look at the flesh, the flesh appears to be angry. The flesh appears to have an issue with its temper. I mean, he could have just said, don't lose your temper. 
Or, or if you follow the flesh, you're going to be mad all the time. You know, one of the natural inclinations of the flesh, the, probably the one that gets us in the most trouble, is our temper, our tendency toward anger. The acts of the flesh, you know, when, when we lean that way, it's the sign of the absence of gentleness in our life. It, it looks like, uh, it reveals what it looks like when we get stuck in fleshly behavior. And one of the amazing things about the acts of the flesh is how quickly they can erupt in our life. I mean, you could be having a good day. I mean, it's beautiful out. It's fall. I mean, the birds are flying. They're migrating. The leaves are falling. And the woolly worms are crawling across the road. And, you know, I mean, it's just, just a wonderful time of, uh, of year. And all of a sudden, this crazy maker comes into your life. And in 1.2 seconds, you just lose your temper. Hatred, discord, fits of rage, dissensions, they manifest themselves in your life and your attitude. Your mood flips so fast because you're controlled by the flesh rather than walking in the spirit. I mean, this temper thing, you, you've got to learn how to deal uh, with, with your anger. I, I want to just give you some information, some facts about anger. Uh, I'm not passing any judgment, I'm just stating some facts. Okay. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. The average man, six times a week. Women get angry more often at people. Men get angry more often at things, computers, machines. Women are more verbal with their anger. Men are more physical with their anger. Single adults express anger twice as often as married adults. And honestly, I would have thought that would have been the other way around. Okay. The place you're most likely to express anger is at home. Now, anger is not always an inappropriate response. Uncontrolled anger is always wrong. I mean, you can do wrong things when you are angry, but anger itself is not always wrong. In fact, the only reason you can get angry is because you're made in the image and likeness of God. Because God gets angry 375 times in the Bible that says that God was angry. And there are some things that are definitely wrong, definitely sinful, unjust, things you ought to be angry about. There's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. There's a right way and a wrong way to be angry. Ephesians 4.26 says, When you get angry, do not sin, which implies you can get angry and not sin. But selfish anger is sinful. Uncontrolled anger is sinful. Anger that flows out of the flesh is sinful. But there can be an anger that flows out of the spirit. The question is, who's in control of your anger? Is the flesh in control or is the spirit in control? It's a question. Who controls the anger? Proverbs 25, 28 says, If you cannot control your anger, you are as helpless as a city without walls. You are open to attack. You're defenseless if you can't control your anger. Other people will come in and manipulate your life by using your anger against you. When you say, you make me so mad, you have yielded control of your life, you've yielded control of your anger to that other person. You're admitting they're in control of your life. You're saying they have the ability to control your emotions. You're defenseless. You're like a city without a wall. You're open to attack. 
Proverbs 12.16 says, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. It's wise to stay calm and, and just let things roll off your back. Now, the good news is you can learn appropriate ways to deal with anger. If you let your flesh control your anger, you're going to get in trouble. If you let the Spirit control your anger, you're going to manifest the fruit of gentleness. Gentleness. Now, it's helpful to understand the different ways that anger shows up in our life. Uh, There's a reason why Paul uses so many different words to describe basically the same act of the flesh. There are different ways that anger manifests itself in our life. I mean, this isn't a simple problem. This is a complex problem. This is a real struggle. And there are different ways that we express our anger. And some of them flow out of different personalities, different life experience, different situations, different levels of intensity, different manifestations in our life and relationships of our anger. Now, I'm going to to describe for you quickly four ways that we can manifest our anger, in which the acts of the flesh are obvious in regards to our anger. And there's no fill-ins for this. You'll just have to jot these four things down in the blanks in your uh, um, sermon outline. But the first one is the machine gun. The machine guns are people who just let you have it. When they get angry, they just mow you down. They curse, they yell, they throw things, they hit. Uh, These people, they're walking time bombs, and when you pull the hairpin trigger, they just explode all over you. These these are the people that are in the paper all the time. You know, Mel Gibson, Alec Baldwin, Charlie Sheen, one of my uncles. I mean, the machine guns, they just let it rip. And, And the biblical example of this anger would be Cain, the son of Adam and Eve. Cain committed the first murder out of anger. Galatians 4, 5 says, Cain became furious and he scowled in anger. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Cain attacked his brother. That's that's the response of the machine gun. They attack. And and the sad thing is, is that once they attack, they immediately regret it. That they regret the things they said, they regret the things that they've done, they're often embarrassed, they're ashamed, they, they want to apologize, they wish it hadn't happened, but the damage has already been done. Second kind of anger is the mute. The, the mute is the exact opposite of the machine gun. Mutes don't blow up, they clam up. Mutes don't get violent, they go silent. And it's not an exploding anger. This is a, this is a crockpot anger. This is a slow, simmering, uh, slow burn. Uh, the mutes swallow their anger. But every time you swallow your anger, you, your stomach keeps score. If you don't talk it out, you'll take it out on your body. Uh, mutes get high blood pressure. They get chronic pain. They get tension, headaches, and ulcers. Anger uh, affects their body. And a biblical example of a mute would be the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was was ticked off at what was happening in his life, but he held it in. Jeremiah 15 says, I stayed by myself and was filled with anger. Why do I keep on suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? Because you're holding it in. You know, people say that it burns me up. Well, it literally does. Your body wasn't meant to hold on to anger. It's like swallowing poison and holding on to anger. It'll eat you from the inside out. 
So you got the machine guns who blow up, and then you got the mutes who clam up. And the third kind of anger response is the martyr. The martyr. And martyrs are passive. They, they tend to punish themselves. Martyrs announce a pity party and then invite themselves to it. When, when anger comes into their life, they think, well, it must be all my fault. And if you walk around thinking, oh, I, I, I should, I must, I have to, I ought, you're going to become a martyr and blame yourself. And you'll have these crazy co-workers or a crazy relative blow up your life, but you'll blame yourself because you're the martyr. Number one symptom of the martyr is depression. Now, depression is caused by several different things. There are lots of legitimate reasons for depression. Uh, some are medical, some are chemical, some are relational, some are emotional, some are situational, some are normal. But one of the primary causes of depression is frozen anger. If you have undealt with anger in your life, you can become depressed. A biblical example of, of this is the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. In the, pro, the story of the prodigal son, there's a father and two brothers. We always focus on the prodigal, but there, there, there's another brother. You know, the prodigal, he's the one who took half the family inheritance, ran off, squandered it on wine, women, and song. He repents, comes back, the father, the father throws a party for him. But the older brother, he's angry about this. He says, I didn't go out and blow half the family inheritance. I'm the good son. I stayed here and worked. You didn't throw a party for me. He gets mad and he becomes a martyr. Luke 15, 28, the elder brother was so angry he would not go into the party. So the father went out and pleaded with him. Do you have anybody like that in your family? You know, they have to be coaxed, they have to be pleaded with, they have to be pampered, they make everybody else miserable. If they're not happy, they don't want anybody else to be happy. They ruin all the family parties. They're, they're martyrs. That, that can be just as damaging as the machine gun person. Fourth kind of anger is the manipulator. The motto of the manipulator is, don't get mad, get even. And a lot of books, movies, TV shows are built on manipulators. Uh, manipulators, they'll never tell you to your face that they're angry with you. They do it subtly, they slyly, sarcastically, indirect verbal jabs and, and, and innuendo. Uh, they do things to sabotage you, but, but you can never catch them on it. They, they never own up to the fact that they're reacting in anger. And they'll say something that's hurtful and then claim, oh, I was just joking. You, know, you call them on it. Oh, I'm, I'm just joking. I mean, you know, when I slit your tires, I mean, oh, wasn't that hilarious? It was a joke. Can't you take a joke? A biblical example of this would be the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders in Luke 6. They were so ticked off at Jesus, it says they were furious and began to plot. They're manipulators. They're figuring out how they're going to get him, how they're going to get even. They began to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. Now, all four of these, the machine gun, the mute, the martyr, the manipulator, none of these ways are actually helpful in dealing with your anger. They're acts of the flesh that are obvious. They inflict real damage on your relationships because they flow out of the flesh, not out of the spirit. So what's the solution? What, what do we do when we find ourselves stuck in one of these patterns of anger. Well, we release God's power so we can bear the fruit of gentleness. 
gentleness. On your notes, let's look at gentleness. What, what makes gentleness so powerful? What makes it powerful enough to overcome and control our anger, our hatred, our discord, our fits of rage, our dissensions, our factions? First of all, gentleness allows others to grow. That's one reason why it's so powerful, because anger stunts growth. It stunts our growth, and it stunts the growth of other people. No one flourishes and grows as a result of anger. Anger holds us back. It holds back both the person who's angry and the person they're, they're angry with. But gentleness, gentleness fuels growth. Paul wrote this to the Thessalonians. He, he describes how he interacted with the believers there in Thessalonica. He says, we were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. And the word burden there means we could have come in with all kinds of authority. We could have come in demanding our due. We could have come in expecting some glory. The, the word there was actually the word for glory. And we didn't, we didn't come in uh, expecting all these things from you. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. Paul says, we didn't come charging in like a bull in a china shop. We didn't throw our weight around. We didn't act like big hotshot apostles. Instead, we were gentle. We acted like a mother caring for her children. The Greek carries the idea of a hen watching over her little chicks. It's the idea of nurturing someone to health and growth. You know, anger stunts growth. Gentleness fuels growth. But sadly, in the world, in the flesh, authority often gets expressed through anger. Gentleness is often overlooked as a personal trait in our society. It's power and assertiveness that gain more respect. Even though nobody likes to be bullied, for some reason we seem to like aggressive, assertive, even angry leaders. And I think sometimes we're drawn to angry, aggressive leaders today because we're just so frustrated with our situation. And frustration is one of the root causes of anger. And so when we're frustrated, we may want to express our anger or we may be drawn to someone else who shares our anger, shares our frustration. But when we become frustrated with a spouse, a kid, a boss, an employee, we can want to vent our frustration through anger. But gentleness... The fruit of the Spirit. It, it, it is love in action. It's nurturing. It helps them to grow. It doesn't stunt their growth. It helps them to grow. And gentleness is an essential trait. If we're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit, if we're going to live a godly life, we've got to maintain a gentle attitude in our relationships with others. Because if you don't, you're going to stunt your spiritual growth. You're going to stunt the spiritual growth of other people. Because, your next point, gentleness makes learning possible. Gentleness makes learning possible. Uh, Paul's advice to Timothy, uh, Timothy's a young preacher, Paul's advice to all God's people. He just says, God's people must not be quarrelsome. They must be gentle, patient teachers of those who are wrong. You know, you put off the dissensions, the factions and discord. You put off the hatred, the fits of rage that come from the flesh. And instead, you put on the gentleness of the Spirit. You know, if you want to teach people the truth, it's not a matter of wrestling and wrangling over doctrine. It's a practice of patiently and courteously explaining the truth. You know, good teaching never promotes quarrels or foolish arguments. 
You know, whether you're teaching children or leading a small group or preaching in a church, you, you need to listen to people's questions. You need to treat them gently and respectfully. Uh, you need to avoid foolish debates. Because gentleness helps people be more willing to hear the truth. Factions, discord, dissensions, those turn people away from the truth. Those turn people away from Christ and from the church. Patient gentleness is what draws them to the truth. Gentleness makes learning possible. Next, gentleness is a mark of wisdom. It's a mark of wisdom. In James chapter 3, James does kind of the same thing that Paul does. He gives a, a, a two different lists, two different descriptions. One is the wisdom that, that comes from the earth, the wisdom that's from below, and another one is heavenly wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above. And James says that envy, selfish ambition, these kind of things come out of the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're they're low, earthly wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and full of quiet gentleness. Then it is peace-loving and courteous. It allows discussion and is willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It's wholehearted, straightforward, and sincere. James says, wise people are gentle, fools are angry. Wise people are pure, fools are impure. Wise people are peace-loving and courteous, fools are contentious. Wise people allow for discussion, they're willing to yield to others. Wise people are full of mercy, good deeds, wholehearted, straightforward, sincere. Wise people walk in the Spirit. Fools follow the flesh. You ever notice somebody who, who claimed to be wise but acted foolishly? Because true wisdom is measured by the depth of a person's character. And just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can evaluate your wisdom by the way you act. Foolishness leads to disorder. Disorder at home, disorder at work, disorder in your own life, disorder in the lives of people around you. Wisdom, wisdom leads to peace and goodness. And so when you find yourself in contentious situations, when you're confronted with the frustrations of life, uh, are are you tempted to escalate the conflict? Do you fan the fire uh, of discord? Or do you use wise, loving words that sow the seeds of peace? Envy and selfish ambition are inspired by the devil. And it's easy for us to be drawn into those wrong desires. The pressure of society, the pressure of the flesh. But if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Instead, we'll live wisely. Next, gentleness opens the hearts and minds of others. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter told believers that that they should always be ready to give an answer for their hope in Christ. But notice, you're giving the answer to people who ask for it. You're giving the answer to people who are asked for it. He's not saying, scream it through a bullhorn to people who don't want to hear it. 
Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with broadcasting the gospel uh, to as many people as possible. But what Peter's saying here is you need to be prepared to give an answer to people who ask you. And that prepared answer needs to be delivered with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect open people up to the gospel. And and what we say, it's got to be linked to commitment to the Lord Jesus. We have to have a humble attitude. We have to have a clear conscience. We've got to have good conduct, good behavior. But as we demonstrate the, the power of gentleness, God can make people receptive to hear about Jesus Christ. If you have a good life and good reasons and a gentle spirit, it'll make for a powerful, powerful witness. It opens the hearts and minds of other people to the message of Christ. Finally, gentleness diffuses anger. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Research has shown that the tone of voice and the way a person is addressed... It's interesting. This study was done by the Navy. It's done in the military. So picture this in a military setting, those you veterans here. Research has shown that the tone of voice and the way a person is addressed determines to a large extent the kind of response the person makes. When an individual is spoken to in a soft voice, he will answer in a similar manner. When a person is shouted at, his reply will be in the same sharp tone. And they discovered that this communication, it happens whether it's face-to-face or it happens even over the telephone. And I would submit that it even happens in email and text messages. That, that whatever the tone is, you know, if you do something in all caps to somebody, what do you get back? You get back on till you get, you know, you get back all caps. And then you find out that their caps button was just stuck or, you know, <laughs> you know now all of a sudden you're all sorry. But, you know, it, it, what you give out is what you get back. How, what we say, how we say it, not only makes a difference in the reaction we receive, but it determines whether conflict or peace are going to be the result. And a lot of arguments that we find ourselves in could be avoided. Tense situations could be, could be eased if we just practice the truth of this verse. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, the guy challenged me on this one time. He says, is this a promise from God's word? Is this going to happen every time? If, if somebody's mad and they're going to punch me in the face, if I respond with a soft answer, or, you know, are they not going to hit me? And I'll tell you, I'm the youngest of five. And so I know that the answer is sometimes this works. <laughs> and sometimes they're just going to hit you no matter what. Because that's just what they got on, on, the, on their mind. Because they're bigger than you and they're fools. And, uh, <laughs> but, but typically, typically, if someone is mad and, and, and you speak harshly back to them, it's going to tend to stir up their wrath. It's going to fuel the fire of their ire. And, and you're going to wind up in, in a more difficult situation. But I I want you, I thought about this just this week. First time I ever thought about this. Here's a side of this verse that maybe you've never considered. Let's say that you are the angry person. What happens if you control the tone of your voice? What happens if you begin to speak gentle words instead of harsh words? What happens to your own anger? What happens to your wrath? 
And on that one, I, I can tell you it's almost 100% of the time. It's almost 100% of the time. If I'm angry and, and I control the tone of my voice, uh, it, it reduces my own anger. But if I insist on cranking up the rhetoric, if I start using harsher words, it'll fuel my anger, not just the anger in the other person. So, so just setting the other person aside, if you focus on your anger and your words, a gentle answer is far better, far better way to go. And so the next time someone speaks to you in a harsher, angry tone, try walking in the Spirit rather than acting out of the flesh. And just seek to, to reverse the trend by expressing gentleness. See what a difference a soft answer can make. Because God, God, God doesn't want us to be machine guns. He doesn't want us to be stuck on mute God doesn't want us playing the martyr. God doesn't want us manipulating people behind the scenes because we're mad at them. No fueling hatred, discord, fits of rage, dissensions, or factions. God, God wants you to get unstuck from that. And God offers you the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, this gentleness. And if you'll open up your life and let that gentleness flow, you'll grow, other people will grow. It makes learning possible in your heart, in their heart. It demonstrates that you're wise and not a fool. And you can open the hearts and minds of other people to the hope of Christ. You can diffuse anger, both your own and other people's. It's a much, much better way to live. Let's pray together. God, we come today recognizing who we are, what we struggle with, and God, we thank you so much that you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our dilemma. You know our struggle. You know the mess we're in with the flesh. And so you have provided a way out. You've offered us, given us the gift of the Spirit. If we placed our faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God resides within us. And his power is available to us. If we'll just make the choice to walk in the Spirit, not fulfill the desires of the flesh, but just walk in the Spirit. God, I pray in this, this area of anger and temper, discord, fits of rage, dissension, factions, God, I, I just pray that you would give us the victory. Help us to live out your gentleness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>